Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. Look, this might just be a complete coincidence, but the one week Willie's gone, the one time we get an interview of a Dublin footballer. That's right. Like, just just a coincidence, that's all I'm saying. But Willie's gone, Dublin football interview, first time on the show. Paul Mannion's coming up, and I'm not going to lie, normally I would use Willie's name, you know, just to try and curry favour with some of these boys, because they don't know who I am, so I'm like, oh, I'm friends with Colin Parkinson, you know, he's got a really good show, he lets me be on it sometimes, can, can, can you have a wee chat with me? This time I had absolutely no reservations at all about saying... Lads, listen, Wooly's gone. I never really liked him anyway. <laughs> you know, I saw that interview with Jim Gavin. It is a news talk. It was a bit, a bit out of order, wasn't it? So any chance that I could just have a chat with one of the players and bang! <laughs> Paul Mannion sits down for a lovely chat. Yeah, you're going to have to explain yourself to Wooly now next week's in his interview. <laughs> on we saw a couple of years ago, it was bad and nobody wants to hear about him from Dublin's perspective, but I'll leave that up to you next I'm week. I'm banking on the fact that he's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I sat down with Paul Mannion's good interview and I must say he's as impressive a specimen in the flesh as he is in real life. Just... He looks nimble. Like for somebody sitting down, he looks like he could just turn you for like on a shoestring. He looks powerful. He looks healthy. He looks like a, it just looks like a good beast of a man. I'd say he looks nimble, but he looks big as well. That was, yeah, that was that's the big it. thing I would have taken of Paul Mannion the last few years. How he was this waif-like corner forward, you know, the kind of traditional tall and lanky kind of corner yeah. forward, and then he's turned into an absolute beast, and turned into a man that can easily turn over defenders in his own full back line, and then, you know, 20 seconds later, it'd be at the end of a move, kicking another point. So that um, that physical transformation, and not a not a whole 
uh, long period of time has been really impressive yeah and I'm glad you teed that up because that's ah. exactly what we're talking to him about <laughs> we're talking about his transformation physical transformation his style of play Dublin style of play and there's some really good sort of insights about Jim Gavin and the man management aspects into it as well seems to really love him like who wouldn't have he's won four hours in a row yeah. um, also have a Dublin ladies player Lindsay Davy coming up another Dublin player another All-Ireland winner another good talker and a good scary scale to boot as well had to get out on the internet <laughs> yeah so that's coming up on the show but first things first Connor, we're rich <laughs> JP McManus has just given 3.2 million euro donation to the GA, 100 grand to each county board to be distributed to each club we are rolling the money if you go through some of the figures there <clears throat> it's a really good time to be a club in Fermanagh only 22 clubs there so that means they're going to get four over four and a half grand between them yeah unfortunately if you're from Cork you're going to get much less than that 599 how many clubs is there in Cork 267 I have here now that seems to change a lot some people say 150 some people say 300 (laughs) it's 167 (laughs) I know it is Leitrim 24 clubs is pretty good for them Mayo your county you're getting 2 grand each nice nice and even Derry my county getting 2.5 grand each um, Dublin now l- listen there's been no consideration from JP McManus into the population in Dublin <laughs> and they went to players in each club he has just given 100 grand to them as well with no concern Scandalous. for how many people wait till John Costello hears about this <laughs> yeah. so we're all getting 1 grand 98 quid each off the back of his I suppose it's a gift that he's given Tipperary 72 clubs in fairness to them they came out on Monday had a county board meeting and they confirmed already that every club was getting 1,388 quid and that's all being sorted straight away so fair play for starting out quickly but According to my master, withholding about sixty-four quid there. I don't know where that's going. That's eighty-eight cents for each club. at the meeting, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So just keep an eye out, like each <laughs> club, keep an eye out what you're getting. But off the back of this JP McManus stuff, there has been a bit of a, a backlash as well. Um, Keith Duggan in Irish Times sort of started this he did a fairly strong piece saying that GA clubs face a decision over whether or not they should accept the gift from um, like he says there are GA people this is a quote there are GA people out there who will want nothing to do with a billionaire's money a lot of this revolves around the fact that he hasn't paid tax in Ireland since 1995 no income tax no capital gains tax that sounds like that song yeah. no income tax no guarantee <laughs> and like but whether morally it's right and morally it should be celebrated for giving all that money yeah I mean my initial response I think I think the initial response of a lot of people is just that, that it was a great gesture I mean you mentioned out some of the clubs there I think it's like Leitrim for example and Fermanagh they get over four grand a piece I know from I'm involved in the executive of my own club and I know from meetings how much of a difference two grand is going to make then I did see the responses I did see the responses like good for JP that he can pay his taxes to GA clubs whereas I have to pay my taxes to maintaining the roads and the health yeah. services and all that sort of stuff I suppose what should be mentioned about JP McManus as well is that he kind of does put money towards a lot of that stuff as well there's a lot of stories about kind of money towards hospices and health centres in, in Limerick and stuff like that but the, the strange one not the strange one but the thing about this particular donation was that it was very public and I think a lot of the money that kind of JP donates and the way he likes to operate is kind of he makes it kind of quietly so I mean like the, the people that kind of crib about it definitely and crib is probably the wrong word that that they criticize it have a point to make um i mean but like what what he does what he does with his money at the end of the day is kind of a larger debate i think at the end of this week i think i don't think ga clubs will be in in a huge rush to kind of give it back around like that yeah. at the end of the day they have a few extra grand in the bank that they didn't have last week yeah and that's like so jp mcmanus has come out himself and he said 
I didn't leave the country in order to avoid paying tax or to avoid paying a future tax. That was about to come down the line. I paid my taxes. I set up a business abroad. If I was somebody who set up a business abroad and didn't go well, I'd be considered an immigrant. If it goes well, I'm considered an exile. Now, what do, I, what do they want? Do they, do they want you to come back and try and support the local economy, try to earn some money abroad and then put it back into the local economy? That's what I like to do. I consider myself Irish, I'm proud to be Irish, and I think I'm doing the country more good by being abroad, trying to earn a few quid. If I bring it back and decide to spend it whatever way I like, at least I'm improving the economy. Tomas O'Shea came out, and listen, I do have a few sort of thoughts on Tomas O'Shea's tweet, but listen, he got 7.5 thousand likes already. On I it, saw so that, yeah. Obviously, a lot of people agree with him. Tomas O'Shea said, is it an Irish thing or what? But the negativity in the JP McManus for the gesture he gifted on every GEA club in the country is wrong. He didn't have to do it, and does so much more no one sees or hears as you're sort of talking about Connor. Yeah. we should be grateful and let the haters hate Mila Buichas JP I think he's sort of missing the grander point a little bit though like, yeah. I get it like a lot of GA clubs are in debt two grand goes a long long way like for a GA club and especially when you're fundraising all year like it's not yeah. easy to start getting that so, you know it's four grand for Fermanagh Club so it's very important as I said a lot of them are in debt so that money is, is valuable to them the problem is if everyone decided to remove themselves from the tax base like JP has, GA clubs would be even more broke than they are now. Like that that's probably the real fundamental problem now. Like you might say, like why does JP McManus why, why is he on us on him to care about that? Hmm. But I think it's just a culture if everybody thought that one person doesn't matter then it would be chaos yeah 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 definitely definitely but I looked at the Demonstra Shades they're like it did get seven and a half thousand mm. likes but there was like a couple of hundred replies as well and there yeah. was a lot of people making some very good points um, in response to it I think Demonstra Shades probably lacked a little nuance in, and I know it's only tweet he's only a couple yeah, of characters yeah. and if you're if you're to go through the, the finer points of it you, you can't sum that up in, in a single tweet but I think there was a lot of kind of salient points made on both sides but again I just go back to um, I don't know can this or maybe it's the right time to have the debate like on the back of this gesture but I think as a standalone gesture I think most people will appreciate it for what it is and then maybe have that larger debate about JP's role in kind of society and having to pay tax back etc like another day yeah like that's a good point because like I'm a bit of a hypocrite here because now I'm looking at it going this isn't really right you know and I'm looking at this grander problem of one person not paying tax and but if I well I am involved in the GA club I would not want to give that money back because exactly, you understand yeah. how hard it is so I am yeah. a hypocrite and I would just sort of take all for myself I, I think anyone I think any, any GA clubs that are having that dilemma I think most of them will side and that's say well maybe I have a couple of moral obligations but at the end of the day we badly need this here club in Leitrim we badly need this four grand in our coffers yeah. nobody else is giving it back so why should we no it's important to point out that JP McManus isn't doing anything wrong yeah, by he's law, the law like, yeah. if he's not living in Ireland for 183 days or more it is he's not required to pay tax even if he's here for the other 182 days now that's 26 weeks he could be here and still not have to pay tax even if he's still earning money here as well I'm wondering if he is he thinking if it was worth his while doing this like obviously it was worth his while he was a like unbelievable generosity to give this amount to, to clubs around the country but like since then he's had to come out and kind of defend himself there have been a, lo- a number of legitimate questions raised about the gesture in the first place but then there's been kind of a load of little side debates like Liveline the other day yeah a load of the ladies um, ladies clubs Camogie clubs rang in because the money isn't being donated to those clubs 
if they're standalone clubs because if you're a club down the country for example and you have men's and women's teams well then the money is going to that club so you know by, it should be divided amongst um, uh, like it divided yeah. equally but there are some clubs that weren't getting that they weren't getting the, they said that they weren't getting the same amount as or any money compared to like the men's GA clubs and then had issue on the back of that so um, not only has it kind of raised issues about like moral you know dilemmas regarding tax etc the actual the dividing of the money has, has raised some issues as well so maybe JP is like oh maybe I shouldn't have done <laughs> but, but this comes back to the LGFA problem we spoke course, about before entity, you know, yeah. like, you know, why wouldn't they come under the GA umbrella there are uh, women, young women footballers who will benefit from this because they're part of the GA of club, course, yeah. but yeah. the LGFA won't, and then those, as you say, the standalone clubs won't, and that's yeah. that's really shit. But that that is the bigger dilemma where those those organisations need to get involved with the GA because they are part of it in conscience, but not really like technically. Yeah, again, yeah. And, but we're just back to having another debate about an issue that's part of a wider debate that needs to be had another day. I would say. Yeah. Well, I want to have a bit of it now because like <laughs> like the struggle we're having like is does everyone not have an obligation? to take part now we're not going to get to the bottom of JP McManus and his of life course. now but people like and people are allowed to maximise their income but it doesn't mean they should be excused so easily as well so my thing as I said to you if everyone isn't taking part then it doesn't work society would break down clubs would be broke it would be much worse yeah. actually society beyond GA clubs like society would be chaos oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the questions that people are asking and it's fair enough and this is why Tomaso Shea got a bit of a, a backlash is do you think we should have hospitals? Do you think we should have water? Do you think we should have education? Of course. Police, yeah. roads, yeah. street lights, street cleaning, all this stuff. Do you think social welfare should be there, national parks? All that stuff that comes under it. And how do you think it should be paid? Yeah. And it comes back to the taxes. That's how it should be paid. And why should one person maybe just remove themselves from that? Definitely, yeah. And I think I said it to you. I think I said it to you off air as well that like uh, it the gesture depended on the, the reaction to the gesture depended on who was actually responsible for the gesture so like J.P. McManus isn't the only tax, tax exile but he would be I, I would say that he's kind of reasonably well very well regarded I would say in like Ireland at large mm. especially within the JA community given everything that he's done for Limerick but if this was to be another tax exile and just like pulling from thin air like Bono that yeah. was to do something like that it was like well people just because they don't like Bono will decide to criticise him for that as opposed to criticising him you know for the actual gesture the yeah and that's so. the, like JP is no doubt going to get like sort of some sort of feel good sort of kickback yeah. off this now yeah. from, from GA people all over because every single club every single person on the committee is now going to be so appreciative of that imagine those committee meetings now where they're talking about the finances and yeah. the treasurer giving the report and they'll all WhatsApp talk about text immediately coming to me straight away yesterday like in the GA executive group about JP you know sending in the money and kind of a couple of applause emojis and stuff like that afterwards. Yeah. so and that's I said that's universal around the country and that's probably what's pissing a lot of people off then mm. as well like you know because he is in this position a lot of it like you know by luck of biology you know that, that you know he ended up being in this situation I'm not saying that he doesn't have his own ingenuity but he has good ancestor yeah, really yeah, line yeah. Do you know so he's born into this like sort of position where he can sort of remove himself from it not everybody can do that and is that fair like that is the bigger question that everyone should probably talk about off the back of this yeah and we'll probably just leave it at that but we're all going to so. take the money which is the <laughs> yeah, saddest yeah. thing about all of us and it's probably the saddest thing about the GA that we're just like ah yes brilliant thousands in the bank who cares <laughs> yeah. um I got a message last night from an inter-county player a well-known one very good player <clears throat> And uh, he said himself and four other players, three of them would have been playing county. So three of them all together, the five, would have a good inter-county experience. Uh, two of them are still playing inter-county at the minute, but they went to America to play some ball. 
last year in New York and they were promised X, Y and Z and basically they haven't been paid the money that they were going to be paid to go out there so they were told they would get paid a certain amount of money to play in New York and that money never came through and I have a quote from one of the players obviously he doesn't want to be named um, he said they just rang to get in touch this is initially how they got in touch they paid the flights they put us up in an apartment gave us jobs and they said they would pay us X amount after the championship they have been getting back to us but it's just been telling us to wait and wait and wait but it's been a year now so I was about to say how, how long are they supposed to wait exactly you know? like yeah so it's been over a year I'd say like you know since like the, the championship was over and they yeah. haven't been paid and listen that, that again is like the JP thing this might be another question about whether you think they should be paid but people are paid we know they're paid out in America especially especially with the county players and like more power to them if they want to go and get paid money for playing sport yeah like you know I, I just wonder if it like with you making this kind of well known as well would, would there be many would there be other players that would come back and say oh I had the same experience in Boston yeah, I had and the same is, experience in Chicago but this is why it's important to bring it up like you yeah, know and these players yeah. like they could just as easily have gone and played for another club in Boston and got paid yeah. you know but they were promised by this club we'll pay you this amount to come out for the whole year or summer whatever it was and play for us and they did it yeah, and, and they're not getting the, their end of the agreement of course, and it, it's all hearsay but some of the some that you hear bandied about for intercounty players to go over and play for a summer are quite substantial so if they were promised that and then a year later they're not getting it well then just reflects really badly on on the club involved because like some will, some people will say listen oh they got their flights paid for they got their accommodation paid for they got it set up with a job they got to spend in the summer in America boohoo give me the violin yeah. but at the same time like I anecdotally I know that like for club players for decent club players that go over to clubs in America during the summer that having your flights paid for having your accommodation paid for and being set up a job is nearly par for the course it's understood that premiums are going to be paid for intercounty players they probably wouldn't be, go over and be going over there otherwise yeah. so while we don't know the ins and outs of or we can't claim to know the ins and outs of how these arrangements are organised and how they're settled etc it does reflect badly on a club that had promised to pay these players a certain amount and then a year later still they're still waiting on it yeah and it's, I, do, I do I think it's it's sad you know that a player as well known and as good as this has to reach out to say you know can I get help to get yeah. the money that I was yeah. promised here and as you said like they only went because they were promised money yeah exactly yeah. like they, they left the season with their county behind with their club they went to a completely different country not I'm not denying that they probably had a good experience out there yeah. and yeah. it was probably you know well worthwhile but they were promised a part of an agreement and they haven't been given that yet and it probably is just a I suppose a bit of a warning to other people who are going out there inter-county or club like like you know, minor inter-county players yeah. are often poached as well so it's just a warning like you know make sure that all this is going to be looked after if you're told you're going to get something make sure you get it Yeah, uh, these yeah. people are waiting a year and they still haven't gotten it that's it well on the back of what you just said there maybe they'll be getting it very quickly I was in touch with the club this morning uh, the club in question from New York and uh, obviously it's New York time so they probably haven't been up yet so um, <laughs> nobody answered the phone believe it or not uh, did send them a message voicemails yeah, yeah. <laughs> said, why aren't you getting back to me this is the sixth time I've called um, yeah so we'll just leave that there but back to domestic club affairs a really nice quote from Jack McCaffrey um, he was talking during the week and I thought like everybody would resonate with this anybody's had a county player in their club he said I'm always embarrassed going back to Contarf about how rarely I'm there and how little I give back to a club that has given me so much. It's something I wish I could do a lot more of. And 
it's honestly like yeah. again like maybe we're coming across elitist here but we're not county players and this is a curse of county players like you know people might think boo-hoo again they're yeah. playing county <clears throat> like that's the deal but I've seen it like you know when players come back they're they are outcast a little bit like everyone's still happy to see them back obviously they're your best players but you've had a group of 25 30 lads there training all year like three nights a week probably yeah. like they're, they're meeting up at least three times a week at least all year from December so they have their own like sort of little groups and their own bonds there and now this guy's coming who they're very happy to see but yeah it's just naturally a bit of an outcast it's going to be the brunt of jokes if he's wearing county shorts he's going to get the back ripped off him he's yeah. going to be told he has an ego even though he's just trying to keep his head down and blend back in like you yeah. know they are just like a lot of this is just you know it's a bit of crack as well but it's, it's probably hard when they're just trying to sort of blend in and Jack says he's embarrassed going back yeah I, I, I think it depends on the attitude of the individual county player to their respective club do you know what I mean because some people can be just completely cut off and like you, like say Jack McCarthy for example you wouldn't blame him for being completely cut off such are the demands of being involved at Dublin football but you would see that there are certain county players that would make a conscious effort while they have to spend so much time with their county that they'll just turn up at as many training sessions as they can to keep involved in the WhatsApp group for example and that when they do go back to training that they don't necessarily have that they realise their level might be the wrong attitude but like not coming in expecting the setup to be Mayo or Dublin or whatever you know maybe to just say to for there to, to be an admission that okay well I'm back playing at, at club level now so I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the big dog and expect everything to be as it is with the county setup and like you know individual county boards then depending on how they facilitate it like we've spoken before about the Monaghan system so like Monaghan players are allowed to play I think it's yeah. nine, nine nine club games and they're without their and Monaghan clubs will be without their county players for nine so the, like the the points are worth more when yeah, and the county yeah and that, but that ensures that like the, that the county players have an involvement with the club throughout the season whereas there's other counties where you're just completely cut off from nearly the beginning of the league till the end of the inter-county championship and then you're just kind of rocking back in for the for the club season do you know what I mean so I think it, I think people's attitudes depend on our club players attitudes towards their county players depends on both whatever county you're in and the attitudes of the like individual at the individual players themselves because you know, I would I would say that not every single county player is as dedicated to their club as say maybe yeah. Jack McCaffrey is, and when their season is over, they've spent so long dedicated to the county that they just want to they just want to break, and that their commitment to the to their own club isn't what it should be like. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And there are like it's just a shame that there are a lot of people. Maybe like Jack fits into this. It's it's tough for him. I I know players who have played for Derry and they sometimes don't like being away with Derry because they miss playing with the yeah, club like yeah, obviously yeah. Derry's a different kettle fights to Dublin <laughs> yeah. but like you know they miss being part of the club and they miss that crack and then you do lose the sort of bonds that you had made since you were yeah, what is like you know an 8 year old or whatever so you're not in the gym with these boys anymore you're not in training every day and yeah, you just start gradually you know going out of that yeah. sort of circle yeah. even though you're still part of the team but you have to wait until September to come back yeah. maybe the lesson is everybody be like Derry and just get put out in the gym there'll <laughs> <laughs> be yeah. no problem here yeah. well that's it that's it it's probably easier then for clubs as well that have you know say I'm, I'm thinking of Ballymunda might have you know five or six county players and they come back at the same time whereas if you're the single county player on your squad and you're arriving back into a squad yeah. that's been training all year you that's know, true that, yeah that's a bit more difficult but just you you would often hear like uh, county players that have won club all Ireland that they they 
they say that it genuinely does mean more because you know they grew up playing with these players and like while you know I, I I'd some, say if Willie was here I know, sometimes, sometimes I question the authenticity of somebody who hasn't won let's say if Mayo won in All-Ireland you know and they haven't won one for six years oh I, I won three club titles with my club and that meant more I'd be like uh, I'm not so sure about that <laughs> yeah. but, you, but like do you, you, do, you do genuinely think that they are being sincere in a lot of cases as well a lot of that though in fairness is on the pitch afterwards and if they're celebrating well, and they have all the club yeah. mates around what are they going to Mm, doesn't doesn't, doesn't <laughs> yeah. quite as much to me as the you know why I won an all Ireland back in 2011 <laughs> like, yeah yeah like I'd say if Willie was here he would definitely put forward the case that playing where you're counting and winning all Ireland is the highest standard yeah, so I that's so, the yeah. one that means most I'll give an excuse to talk about the minor all Ireland 2003 <laughs> yeah. again so but um, sorry. Uh, back to Tyrone again we're not going to spend much time in this because God knows we've talked about it a lot, a lot but it's worth just putting Moy's side of things across so they actually contacted me on Tuesday night and uh, they said that they were going to appeal <coughs> Tyrone's investigation they said the incident that got Sean Kavanagh an injury took place after he was given a mark so they sort of saying they saw something different to what Eden Dork saw and what the Tyrone investigation obviously saw Tyrone investigated this and decided they weren't going to go any further they were happy the referee acted on it but Moy released a statement said on 24th September members of the committee of Moy Tiernanog had a first opportunity to review the video footage blah 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 Sean Kavanagh sustained a broken nose and concussion Having considered this video, Moy expresses his disappointment and dismay with the outcome of the investigation by the CCC of the Tyrone County Board issued on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. The cause of the clash that led to the injuries could and should have been avoided. The mark had been taken by Sean Kavanagh and signalled by the referee directly before the incident. Now they're highlighting Rule 7.2, behaving in a way that is dangerous to an opponent is a red card offence. And so they're saying as a first stage appeal Moy has requested to Tyrone County Board that the referee and the linesman review the footage again um, I asked them could I see the footage but they said that they haven't been released it themselves so they just went along on the 24th of September to watch it um, so they haven't been released the footage they haven't been given the footage yeah and that was has Sean Kavanagh seen it no he hasn't like, so we were trying to get him on the show I tried to get him on on Monday Willie tried to get him on the Thursday and Monday before and his thing is I haven't seen it Like yeah. and he's been asking to see it as well because like, he can't really talk about it because he of doesn't course. know if it was yeah, accidental yeah. or not but now off the back of this more officials or the committee members have seen it and they seem to reckon it's not accidental um, and it ends saying the health, safety and well-being of all our playing members is of utmost importance to our club finally we wish Eden Dork well in the championship match this Friday yeah, I'm yeah. sure they're sincere I it? know of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like um, but sure listen we talked about this on Monday Eden Dork had a fairly hard-hitting statement themselves in defence of their own player and now Moy have come back with a fairly strong statement you know thinking that Sean Kavanagh was hard done by I don't like the thing about this was this is never black and white yeah um, there was always a sense from the way that Moy reacted to the you know instant initially saying that it was open to interpretation it wasn't as clean cut maybe as as was being suggested but I'd like what I wonder is how much would the will the video show even if it's appealed I, like, I don't, like I don't know what sort of access they have to video coverage up in Tyrone Club football yeah. but I know if it's it, like anything that we have for example it just tends to be a single camera at the side of it yeah. it's not as if they're going to be getting like uh, close-ups or action replays or anything like that so and like like to be fair to Eden Dork the, 
Tyrone County Board did rule that there was nothing wrong in the first place as well. So um, I don't know. It, it's it's really messy. I like I, I don't know what's gonna what's gonna come out of it. Like. Yeah, and if you're trying to prove that somebody meant to do something or not, it's tricky, especially yeah. as you said with a one camera thing, you know, yeah. from up above. And like, will we hear the whistle at the right time? You know, yeah. whether the mark was given just before this guy initiated his move or not. So yeah, yeah. Listen, we'll move on because there's more important things in Carlo. They are looking to outlaw pissing on a football pitch and hurling pitch. So Owen Cormican, an Irish examiner, has this. He said at the most recent meeting of the Carlo County Board, Carlo developed. Officer Brian O'Neill has described as absolutely disgusting the practice of players urinating on the new <laughs> to net watch Dr. Cullen Park field before games. Uh, O'Neill informed delegates before throwing a small minority of players in full view of spectators in the stand on the terraces were urinating at the less crowded corners of the pitch. I find it absolutely disgusting, said O'Neill. I have spoken to players, mentors and clubs five minutes before the match. We have rules for sideline discipline. Is urinating on the pitch acceptable? This matter must be put to bed. Connor, you probably never thought you could <laughs> ask this in an interview before, but have you ever pissed on a pitch? Um, on a pitch? No, I, <laughs> I can safely say I've done. I've never pissed on a pitch. What no. about in the corner of the pitch? As Brian O'Neill says, I would have. I I will confess to having hopped a wall in the side of the pitch and gone to gone for a piss in the field with fairly long grass. That's about the extent of it. It's. it's <sighs> I never knew I was going to be asked this. <laughs> yeah, but like, what can you say? I mean, like, you can't argue with any of that, especially with the stuff about it being in few full view of spectators. <laughs> like, I I was trying to think of a kind of a defense. I mean, players take on loads of food before a game. They're probably a bit nervous. Their body's getting it's, ready uh, for yeah, the, the match. Body's right? getting ready. There's probably a long way back to the dress room or any toilet facilities that are nearby they don't want to miss out on the warm up etc but like if like can anyone really say that if, that if an official rule was brought in that you cannot <laughs> urinate on a pitch that anyone would like have anyone would, re- would, re- would reject it sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well O'Neill according to the Carlo Nationalist told delegates the smell from the affected two corners of the God. pitch was nauseating like I've been I remember standing this is completely disrespectful to our national anthem but I remember standing for a national anthem game and you're facing the flag and you're trying to look ready because you think everybody's watching you when nobody gets <laughs> nobody gets a toss at the time but you're standing trying to look your best and suddenly just heard this sort of dribble behind (laughs) and like boys started turning around going what the hell is going on and one of the lads is taking a piss just standing there taking a piss in the the middle of the group as we were all standing for the national anthem (laughs) so nobody could see because you were on in a circle no we were all sort of just you know bunch was like four people there and four people behind so we were just all sort of scattered together and this guy just sat shamelessly pissing but he was in the middle so nobody in the crowd would have seen it we all heard smelt and saw it and yeah like it, it actually it erupted in a big argument just before the game there was a half hour there we were standing around the half hour line and he said you see if I can fall on this yeah. area of the pitch I am going to come in and box you yeah. like so this is the sort of this is know, the sort of problems yeah, it can cause I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen but like uh, I know if, if the unless an official rule exists already if an official rule is to be brought in I don't think anyone could have any complaints about it whatsoever especially the, the thing that the thing that kind of disturbs me and a lot disturbs me about that which just there <laughs> but um, the thing that disturbs me most is that it was in full view of spectators I know they said they were like if I can picture Dr. Cullen Park correctly there's not too many places to hide yeah so, stadium pitches yeah I'm thinking about yeah. just club pitches exactly. yeah, there's, there's trees be, and stuff and yeah yeah, that that's slightly different but 
you know it's it's it, oh, it just it doesn't 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 sit well at all there are ways around it though right like you can just go down for the old stretch you know like you're stretching your hamstring and you've know, yeah. seen people plant uh, good tricks and techniques to get around this so maybe they can't outlaw completely sounds like you're talking from personal experience <laughs> <laughs> well Carlo we're after the pissing brigade I know um, back to me O'Connor again we talked about this last week or on Monday but we probably didn't give fair due to the other side we're, t- we're always talking about James Horn we're yep. talking about Horn's eminent arrival into the Mayo camp but I'm starting to wonder what is the problem with, with Mike Solon like what's what's the issue like only there's only talk about Horn Mayo fans seem dead set on who they want but Solon has a strong ticket like you look at it he well himself the under 21 All-Ireland winner got to the final again this year he's got Billy Sheehan Kerry Man needs to play with Leash in Volvo Cork and awfully last year yeah. you know loads of experience there Barry Solon will stay on as S&C coach who everybody knows is How good like a real is, yeah. gem yeah like probably one of the best John Ginty and they said they do have a former Mayo player they haven't specified who yeah. but they are adamant that they have a former uh, Mayo did player did you mention Enda McGinley there as well Enda McGinley as well, as well sorry yeah, yeah. Um, just to before I kind of talk about um, Mike Solon, just to defend where kind of Mayo fans are coming from with James Horn, I mean, you're talking about um, arguably the best manager Mayo have had, yeah. certainly one of the best. He only managed us uh, four years ago. It's not as if he's over the hill. He's still, I think he's only 47, still really involved in the club game, has been, since he's confirmed he's going for the job, has, has been very enthusiastic about going for the job, has been talking about kind of getting CVs in from, he hasn't mentioned his backroom team yet, but he's been mentioned, saying that he's been getting CVs dropped to, into his inbox about people that want to be involved. He's talking about the kind of working with the coaching academy that Liam Moffat has set up in Mayo and stuff like that and working, and which will be a big kind of positive for Mayo fans. He's been talking about what he thinks is the quality of young players in, um, in Mayo, which Mike Sol will know all about and kind of looking forward to kind of integrating them into the senior setup if he does get involved um, but just to kind of go back to Mike Solon uh, I have to give the lads in the, the Mayo News podcast they're due they interviewed both James Horn and Mike Solon this week and kind of got a got a feel for Mike Solon as well about his intentions yeah. about his backup team stuff like that it sounded really positive and just from what they the, the kind of the mood that they gauge from around the county is that it's very much 50-50 and that it's not it's not going to be just a walk in the park for James Horn to get this job as, as everybody kind of would have expected like you know so, yeah. um, just I, I suppose like I, I, like I, 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 do, I have no problem in saying I prefer James Horn but like <laughs> I, I would consider myself a rational thinking Mayo fan I think most <laughs> rational thinking Mayo fans oh, would like, say that Mike Solom would be an absolutely viable candidate given his, his yeah so, so don't get me wrong Jesus like I have no problem with you thinking that James Horn might be a better candidate <laughs> yeah. but I'm just starting to wonder like why have we like that's great that you've mentioned the Mayo News podcast because I've wondered why haven't we been talking about Mike Solom it seemed to me just that maybe people didn't want him they, like, they were just set on Horn yeah. and like I get that Horn like, he might think he's the best candidate but this is a really strong ticket that yeah. Mike Solom a manager with plenty of experience himself with an All-Ireland in the bag himself he is bringing a strong sort of proposal to the table and I think even if Horan doesn't get it they should be pretty damn happy with this I think either way now Mayo are going to get a good oh, management I, no, team I, I, I don't think anyone is doubting that and, and from Mike Solon's point of view I mean one of the major concerns and it's been raised that sure, um, Mike Kennelly the chairman raised it um, before Stephen Rochester stepped down that one of his concerns was that um, the Mayo weren't bringing enough young players through and they would point back to the under-21 team that won in 2016 and the under-20 team that got to the final this year that uh, Solon was in charge of the two of them. So if you're if you're hearing vibes like that from the county board, well, then you're definitely thinking that Mike Solon is in with a chance. It's just that I, th- I think that the conversation has been more kind of leaning towards Horan 
probably more so at a national level because with all due respect to Mike Solon James Horn has a massive profile from managing Mayo for so long from being involved still involved in the media he's a huge name yeah um, but definitely we'd be considered one of the better managers in the GA in the last few years but I think I think that, well definitely down in Mayo anyway from what I can hear that I don't think anybody's uh, well I don't think anybody would say as you said that like Mike Solon isn't a viable candidate but there has been plenty of conversation about Mike Solon as well as James Horn but I think that that's probably going to be skewed naturally on a national level because people know Horn better yeah well considering say the the hoops that Rochford was sort of made to jump through there at the end and given deadlines which seem bizarre now and Mike Stone has his ticket I like the word ticket it's, yeah, it is, it's yeah, like a presidential yeah. race <laughs> like should James Horan or should there be sort of uh, an impetus on him to say well, who is your backroom team potentially well there's definitely impetus amongst if he's going for an interview with the county board anytime soon he'll have to lay his cards on the table because they'll say well Mike Solon has come to us with Andy McGinley he's come yeah. to us with his brother Barry who's been involved for so long he's come to us with uh, John Ginty and Billy Sheehan Billy Sheehan and, exactly, and Billy Sheehan and a former player so who have you got so I would imagine and just hearing James Horan speak I'd say he has his names in mind but didn't want to go too public on it yet I think he actually acknowledges the fact that it's really difficult to come out publicly you know people are reluctant to commit to a job that doesn't exist yet do you know what I mean so while he could say well if I get in I have X, Y and Z but if he doesn't get the job well then that doesn't happen you know what I mean so like people who might be who might have to make a big decision on commitment you look at the last Mayo management Tony McEntee was coming from Armagh if you look at like if Enda McGinley is going to be part part of Mike Solon's ticket he's going to have to make a huge commitment so people are reluctant to commit to that until they know that it's set in stone but while he might be reluctant to say reveal that personally I would imagine that he has a fair idea of the backroom team that he's going to put in place and will be able to reveal that to a county board interview and knowing the way the Mayo works if he if he says that in an interview it'll get out fairly soon yeah. afterwards well like uh, this is an interesting it's a sort of dangerous precedent now though because I'm asking well, who's James Horan's coaches like I heard Oshie McConville on second captains there this week talking about how he's had a couple of counties sort of approach him <coughs> and like you know about other managers who are going for jobs and what they're being required to do you know is tell people who your backroom team is so mm. before you even have a job you're going and headhunting lads yeah and you know asking them will you be part of something that I don't have yeah. yet you know so I don't have a job but if I did have a job you know can you commit to it like it's, well, it's a it, weird yeah. sort yeah. of scenario to be in like and this seems to be the way that we're all going now because I suppose county boards want like least risk as possible so they want to know exactly what they have but that's yeah. tough for people who don't have the job yeah and what can you promise um, like what can you promise people that are potentially going to be on a ticket if you're not in a position if you don't even have that job yet either like you know I'm not even talking about financially or, or whatever sort of arrangement you're going to come to well if you're getting expertise from outside I know like Barry Solon might be in but like expertise yeah, like that is paid for so you have to go to them and they're they're obviously going to want to know well what's in it for me and yeah. they said, well, I can only tell you until... Uh, I can only yeah. tell you when I get the job. I hope that there's something <laughs> yeah. in it for you. Yeah, well, maybe they've got... Uh, maybe they've been they've been told by people to know that if you do take the job, we have this budget or we have this on offer. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, it's really... It's all hearsay. It's all conjecture until somebody is actually confirmed in the job. And that only, for me, increases the... You know, it should be really given the Mayo County Board to kick up the arse to get this done ASAP because well just even though like we're in the middle of the Championship Club semi-finals or uh, Sunday week as well so while the two main candidates would have a fair idea just you want to know you want to know what your prerogative is going to be and who you have to start contacting and say well listen 
been impressed with you so far looking to get you involved that sort of thing but you can't really start doing that until you're kind of confirmed in the role as well so need to get back to managers being managers yeah. and like, you know county boards yeah. trusting them just like I'm the manager I'll go and sort all That's this it. out now yeah. you know otherwise what am I here for yeah yeah what am I here for? <laughs> what am I here for is right. That's what people are asking about me you know, in this <laughs> presenter's chair. Well, anyway, I'm here Until to get next week. Paul Mannion on the, interview, on the interview chair, and he is up next. Dear, it's great to finally get to interview you. Yeah? Oh, really, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah why yeah. is it great? Why do you not do many interviews? I don't know, really. Yeah, I must have been asked to do a whole while. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? I know we spoke about the defensive side of things. If you're coming in and you want to be, if you want to be the Woolly Parkinson and and just play for myself and an, in, an intercounty corner forward isn't just hatching inside either. He's, no, you know, no. He's, unfortunately for you, Woolly, it won't last forever. You can ask ex-players that. You can ask your, you know that yourself, Woolly. Yeah. Um, Mine never started at yeah, all. Well, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. Paul, I want to start with what the hell have you been eating? Yeah. I mean, look at 2014, you were more of a sort of, you were always very lean, but you were a very sharp, athletic corner forward, but now you've turned into a bit of a beast. Yeah, it was started 2016 when I came back from China, I was just, um, I was like that, as you say, I was a bit of a, a twig, I guess. Um, so, yeah, just, I, I said then I need to, to really get myself back into shape, Um there was lads miles, miles ahead of me at that stage, so um, I just put in a good solid two months of um, extra gym sessions, and that kind of gave me the good, a good foundation for the last couple of years. So last year and this year has only just been kind of taking over and kind of maintaining work more than anything. Like so, was that something that you felt like you needed to work on? For did you find that you were maybe weak in the tackle or anything? Well, not too much weak in the tackle, just. I suppose, well I suppose generally even 2013 2014 like I wanted to kind of improve yeah. and, and get stronger anyway um, but then kind of 2016 and the first game against Kerry that year I, I came in at half time and got sick in the sink I was just really really unfit and uh, I just needed to to um, to get stronger and it coincided I suppose with, with, with in college you kind of have a lot of kind of kind of wiggle room around around lectures and stuff to put in extra work and um just went after it that year and yeah i suppose it's it's definitely paid dividends since yeah. you get sick in the sink at half time was like yeah. was this during a league game or something? just a league game yeah against against Kerry there and first first month i think it was january end of january 2016 just as you do after some some hard running yeah. um sometimes and um yeah that's all that was probably I haven't gone back um, to that stage since, which is yeah. nice, yeah. And uh, like you said about keeping taking over, is that something that you would do then throughout the year? Like, would you still be in the gym in the morning? Like, you know, would you do those morning yeah. sessions? At no, that? Just, we didn't do any kind of morning sessions this year just because it's kind of probably sometimes it interrupts with uh, your sleeping pattern. So we just kind of bin those all together, really, and just doing like one gym session a week, really, and then. Um, if you've extra time or you've a decreased low, you might fit one one other in. But generally, this season it's just the one gym session to keep you taking over for the yeah. for the year, and uh, that's it. Yeah. And talk to me about I suppose the the state of play, not not of your, yourself, but of the whole team in general. Like, cause it, it seems to me like that that first point you got against Galway, you could just do that if you wanted to. Say, but is it more of a sort of percentages that you would play? Like, you know, we don't want to go into the tackle if you don't have to. Um. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, I suppose 
Yeah, but we, as best we can, we try and avoid um, situations where you're going to get turned over yeah. or shots where you're highly likely to miss. I don't think that's anything kind of revolutionary. Yeah. I think that should be just common sense. I think that's what most teams try and do. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that's how our kind of, particularly against like kind of defensive teams where you can't afford to be kind of taking uh, taking big chances and um, you kind of have to be a bit smarter about it. So, um, yeah, I guess most of the games kind of in your head nowadays. So um, yeah, it's something we just we talk a lot about and try to improve on over the last few years. And like Jason Sherlock has gotten a lot of credits uh, the last year or so, you know, just for doing some work with the forward line. Has he been doing good work with you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a, he's a forwards coach, so he's um, he's done a lot of a lot of good work and brought his influence from uh, from his kind of his own background yeah. and his experience, and he's really kind of. Um, made his mark on the team so um, but as have like Jim of course and, uh, and Declan Darcy two fantastic coaches as well and um, like everyone plays a part even like a lot of the players step up and, and kind of make points and kind of how to, how to play the game so there's uh, definitely a lot of a lot of thought leaders in there to, uh, yeah. to point, point us in the right direction yeah. Is that the best thing that, that Jim Gavin has been able to do? Is I kind of people sort of look at his military background and say he's very organised and disciplined. But is it more that he's created this sort of selflessness in the Dublin camp, where you all do sacrifice yourselves for the, the greater good? Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's a fantastic manager in so many different ways. Um, but I guess, yeah, I suppose the the culture that he's that he's made in the team and just kind of how he's kind of made us think and um, yeah, I suppose. Look, there's, there's so many different things that um, that he's done. That of course he's he's a really astute kind of manager from a football point of view. He's, he's got the military background, so he's he's like deadly organised. Um, but he's also yeah, it's just yeah, I suppose how he how he's fostered that culture is it's something that's not not easy to do at all in management, and I I don't think he gets the, the credit he deserves at all really to be to be honest. So um, yeah. Yeah, like, how, I know you're not going to give me any big secrets, but how would he foster that culture? Like, you know, would it be day-to-day things, or would it be something that started the um, year? I, I guess he, he's got right people in the right places to, to, I suppose, facilitate, I suppose, good conversations about things like performance, culture, kind of what what we value, what we want to kind of represent, I guess. And I think that's probably that's what's, I suppose. Marxist power I guess um, from other football teams I think everyone kind of works hard and kind of runs hard and goes to the gym hard but I think how Jim how Jim has managed to do that and how he's um, kind of facilitated these conversations I think that's what would probably impress people the most I don't yeah. think you'd be massively impressed by our one gym sessions a week or anything but that's certainly something that still blows me away every time we kind of just within the walls of the restroom the conversations that we have about those things Um just we really really do go into kind of, kind of deep kind of thought and detail about about these kind of topics and I suppose that's how we've kind of we've fostered that culture and how we've kind of really have become kind of one I guess and we're all working off the same page and I know that's something that's kind of thrown out a lot but um, I really think it's something that's particularly true about, about our team and um, yeah I suppose uh, long may continue I guess yeah and like as a man manager, like I know you've spoken before about how he was happy with you going to China, and like it's not like you were in a joke soap. You had won two under twenty one All Ireland. There was a bit of talk about you, so but he was good for you, and he has been good for you as a man manager. Yeah, has Jim been good for me? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like he's in fairness, like I've 
I've got on very well with him since um, since I first met him. I had him for under under twenty one in, in in twenty twelve, so it's been a fair few years with Jim now, and look, he's look, he's he's a great manager. We all know that, and um, he's um, yeah, uh, the China one in particular. That was I was really appreciative of that too, and how he handled that, and and how he welcomed me back in afterwards as well. So um, so it's, I think the year abroad did definitely do me a lot of good, and um, yeah. I was, I was very grateful to have that opportunity. Does, does it annoy you boys a bit that people would still talk about the money that was invested in coaches in the primary schools? Yeah. Off the like, back of like your amazing under-21 teams, all the work that you say you're doing, the great management, which everybody knows is happening in Dublin anyway. So does that annoy you in the camp that this is the fallout from the All-Ireland then, winning four in a row, that people are talking about money? I think it's kind of... it's natural I guess when, when teams are successful they'll kind of look for different reasons and um, particularly if you're kind of if you're not from Dublin so like we can understand it it doesn't really annoy me it happened with Kilkenny as well yeah I guess look it's um, everyone has their own opinion um, I know there's that narrative but um, I don't know I think if you kind of just take a step back and look at the kind of wider context look at the kind of games that we've come through these narrow narrow kind of victories um, the amount of volunteer hours that are put in, like in the team and in the clubs, um, and then just kind of as I, as we were saying to you earlier on there about the kind of conversations that we have in the wall, you know that just I, it doesn't make sense to me how anyone could kind of put that down to money. But look, I get it that um, yeah, everyone has their opinion and they're they're free to it. So we're just focused on football and playing football and that's that's what we love doing the most so we don't we don't think about that at all so you don't want to see Dublin split in two or three or four or five I don't think there's any any need for that now just now no, no yeah. not at all wait till you break a record at least and then, and then yeah, yeah, perhaps yeah. and like well I suppose just finally I take it you would be happy to see Jeremy Connolly back next year if he's available of course yeah um, we'd all love to see him back that's 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 up to Jeremy. I know he's he's um, it's back in Dublin now. So um, yeah, the door will remain open for him. He's a really really popular guy on, on our team, and it's so important to us over the years. So um, yeah, it'd be great to have him back if uh, if he'd like to. Yeah. Would he be Would he be a bit of crack in the change rooms? Would he be a bit of a leader? <laughs> yeah. No. He's like I don't know. Kind of media have one perception of him. People have one perception, but he's um, he's a really really good guy. Um, and 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 an important leader to us. So um, yeah, we'd love to love to have him back and um, doing what he does best. Yeah. And who do you see is the closest to challenging you over the next year or two? Do you think anybody's getting closer, or is anybody uh, even there yet? Yeah. No. Look, there's, there's so many teams out there. So many teams that that have developed a lot this year, um, and that we've picked up um, a lot a lot of kind of lessons learned from this year. So. Look, who knows? It was kind of Tyrone popped up this year, and we're really strong challengers. And you know, it can be it can be anyone next year. Like Kerry, of a lot of young players coming through. May of course, always, always going to be going to be a tough challenge. Um, even Kildare and Leinster, there's so many teams there. Look, that um, that can pose threats. So um, I'm sure they'll all be going for it next year. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to going back and, uh, and try and win it again. Thanks very much, Paul. When your legs don't work like they used to before 
I was actually coming home on Saturday morning and I had the podcast on for Newbridge other night and that that helps the journey to be honest if, if I've ran out of Ed Sheeran songs depends on mood I'm in <laughs> Ed's good for uh, if you're in a sappy mood Ed's good to <laughs> sing along to and then if you're in a G.A. head mood which I am probably most of the week then I turn these boys on Darling I will be loving you Okay, so the women's game is gaining more and more and more traction. It's building momentum every single year and obviously it's great to see. So much so though that we're having the same problems now with the women as we are with the men. The AFL are sniffing around. Uh, Not only is Cora Staunton going back over to Australia to GWS Giants, she has Donegal native Yvonne Bonner joining her as well on a rookie contract. And on top of that, Claire Jewelstar, Camogie and football star Eilish Considine is going over to Adelaide Football Club on a rookie contract as well it just shows you the sort of like how fast the game is progressing ladies football in particular and I wanted to talk about that very thing with Lindsay Davey who has been playing for 14 years now with Dublin since she was 14 she joined the Dublin panel as a 14 year old and she's been playing for 14 years so she has seen some amount of change over the years over the decade and a half for a 28 year old playing inter-county football so here's a little interview with her so Lindsay, I suppose I want to start off with how did you get into playing football? Um, I would have started probably when I was about uh, five or six in the club, just through the nursery camps. Um, and we wouldn't have actually had uh, a girls section at the time. So I would have played with the boys up until about under 12s, 13s, until we got kind of a girls team going. Were there many girls on the team at the time? Um, when we first got to go, uh, oh, when I was doing the boys, no, there was literally probably just two or three. It was like the likes of myself and Sinead Cullen. Um, and thankfully then, probably a year later, we kind of got the the ladies section going and Sinead was one of the biggest sections in the club. And like, how did you think about wanting to play for Dublin one day? So you started playing when you were 14, so I take it you had that dream at a very young age? Yeah, um, well, I suppose in club... I would have got asked up to the when I was about ten, asked up into the underage development squad. So you would have, we would have done the blitz then in Carlo. Um, so I probably would have started playing with Dublin at a young, really young age through the underage structure. Um, but I suppose for me, like my my family's from Waterford, um, and Waterford back then would have been one of the top kind of female Gaelic teams, and they would have always been competing in the All Ireland. So for me, I suppose I would have always been going into Croker to support them. Um, and then like it wasn't until 2003 when kind of Dublin got to their first All-Ireland and obviously couldn't wait to go in and support them but it just turned out then that a year later I happened to be playing in those finals so it was a bit of a mad transition And what was that final like in 2003? I take it there was nowhere near the same amount of people? No there was definitely not to the, the attendance that we had now but there's still obviously a really high attendance I think it was definitely up in the mid-twenties Um but obviously, yeah, geez, that day would have done with a last, um, with a last minute score, um, with a last minute goal, and um, they ended up losing then. And like Mick Bowen actually would have been the manager back then as well. Like so, it's probably mad for back then, watching, uh, watching him in that final and then seeing the the success then that he's had with us. Yeah. So you're 14. You get called up to the Dublin panel. How the hell did that come about? Um, I'm not really sure to be honest. Um. John O'Leary was the manager at the time and he probably his daughter actually would have been playing in uh, our team in Scary so he would have seen me play with Scaries um, in different games and he probably just asked he asked me up uh, one of the days to a training session and 
that was it really yeah <laughs> and like were you, were, you, were you able for it at 14 um it was tough don't get me wrong I was definitely very intimidated going into that setup. um and I probably would have been taking a couple of hits and stuff but probably because I was so intimidated by it, I actually rang him and said look I can't do this I was just like I think I'm too young I just want to focus on my under 16s and minor football at the moment um, and I actually left the panel and then after the under 16s and the minor finished he asked me to come back he's like okay that, that's out of the way now why don't you come back in and give it another go and I don't know what changed in the meantime when I came back but I just felt a lot more comfortable playing then um, and then come the quarter final I would have got my first start so it was just probably mad how it all happened but I don't know he obviously saw something in me that he knew I was capable enough for it um, I suppose only for he asked me back again the second time I wouldn't have gone and did you have any mentors at the time so any of the older women on the team yeah like uh, Martina Farrell would have been the captain back at the time and she was a really good support for me um, but you know I would have played with the likes of Elaine Kelly who was on the management team now Neve McAvoy who was on it last year and it's kind of mad playing with all those girls back then because yeah. the friendships that you even made but I know for me they are a massive source of support um, and kind of them kind of being involved now it's gas because you still have that special yeah. bond with them and what's it been like down through the years and down through the last 14 years you know seeing how things have changed but was it tough back then like you know obviously you were doing the same amount of training you were going from training to work or school in your yeah. case but probably not getting the same amount of recognition um, oh well the changes over the years have been massive um, like even we were just saying back then like the, the strength and conditioning has been mad. like we wouldn't really done a lot of gym work kind of back when I started in 2004 but you know gym work is a regular part of your training now um, but even in terms of like so your facilities and stuff like we're very lucky now with Dublin that we have DCU as our home base um, and that's massive for us just to have that same facilities and set up so that you're not bouncing from one club to another and um, like even back then like you wouldn't you, you wouldn't be getting fed or anything after training and like your nutrition is a massive part of it now so I suppose even to be in great facilities and getting fed after training it's it's a massive thing for us to have and then like do you see that affecting the rest of the county like do you see more women now looking to play sport did you say there were 400 people from Scaries at the game yeah well I know definitely from just from my club that I can see the impact of probably having me playing is that the girls are being they're very fortunate as in we've been in the finals for the past number of years and I suppose younger girls getting a chance to kind of go in and see those finals like, like I said I was very lucky that I was always at the finals supporting Waterford because they are my kind of team mm. um, but I suppose for Dublin girls to be able to come in for the past number of years and seeing us do so well it probably drives them on and I've definitely seen the difference in the club uh, in their underage structure with the men the girls playing football so it's fantastic for us I suppose to be those kind of role models have you played against Waterford before? Does that does that sort of how does that go down in the family? It's probably the uh, first game we actually played was last year in the quarter, the All Ireland quarter final, yeah. and my cousin Dervla was playing as well. So she's lined up in the half back line, I was half forward. So there was a lot of banter between both families then for that game. But you know, it was actually lovely to get a picture of us after the game yeah. with the both of us and our families. Like, was she marking you? I know she wasn't marking me. Um, we were on offside the wing, so it wasn't too bad. So you didn't have any mouth and off experiences. No. Probably not, so it wasn't too bad. But uh, like obviously the result went our way that day, which we were delighted about. But um, I suppose yeah, I was mad kind of having that bit of the the banter now with the families. Like it was a good crack. Yeah. 
And like you're a firefighter in your professional life, you're a firefighter on the football field as well. Yeah. Like you know how how do you find balance in being a firefighter with being a footballer? Um, I suppose I'm probably a bit more accustomed to it now, probably having it for the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a lot of kind of you're looking at your football roster and your work roster, seeing where they overlap, and then making the necessary swaps to facilitate yeah. your football. Um, but I'm very lucky that I have a, I work with a fantastic crew in the airport and they're very supportive of me playing football and you know like Paul Clark would be on my crew as well and he would be in the same boat you know um, in terms of getting uh, the shift swapped and stuff so I know that I would always go for him for advice as what's the best way to work this yeah. um, but like I said the crews have just been fantastic in kind of facilitating swaps and then you'd pay back swaps whenever you can and I'm just very lucky that I've had that support in work. That's mad. So even as a firefighter, you're still swapping shifts just to get to training. Oh, constantly. And <laughs> but you know, I'm very lucky. And like Noelle Healy's in the same boat with her yeah. shift work. But um, Mick is such an understanding manager. Like like if I had a gym session, like we have a, obviously a fully equipped gym and work because obviously part of the job you need to you need to keep your fitness levels up. Um, so on the night that we had gym session, I just do my session in work if I was able to. Um, and he was very understanding like that. But for the likes of the pitch sessions, he'd always try to make the swaps to be there. But have to say Mick has just been fantastic in that sense of, you know, un- being understanding that he knows it's your career at the end of the day and he'd be never putting you under pressure in, in that sense. Now, I know you're not making any decisions on your future just yet, but like I do know you've done a bit of coaching as well at club level. Is that something you can see yourself doing in future, being a coach? Um, possibly like like I've done a lot in the club over the years um, but it's funny because I suppose when you're playing you're kind of just focused on playing Um, I suppose that's something that will come down later down the line if you get approached to do different things Um, but at the moment I'm just kind of you know enjoying the off season now and I suppose there'll be big decisions to make kind of come kind of Christmas time because I know like I have been playing for a long time and as as great as football has been to me I suppose there's other stuff that you kind of want to do as well like um, so we shall see what happens do you see do you see yourself playing any other sports do you play any other sports at the minute um, like I would have played a bit of soccer and stuff when I was younger like um, but you know I had a couple of injuries kind of last year um, like I would have got a dead leg and torn my calf kind of halfway through last year to put me out um, for a couple of months but um, I kind of really took got into cycling and swimming then yeah. um, so that's something that I kind of really enjoyed and I think definitely when I was to finish it's, there are probably areas that I'd like to pursue and you know in terms of doing triathlons and stuff yeah. I could definitely see myself trying to do something like that when I finish so the Olympics is what you're talking about right? <laughs> really, I wouldn't go that far now I wouldn't be the strongest of swimmers like but uh, I know in Scaries they do a couple of triathlons every year and you know, I suppose something like that would be something to kind of keep you ticking over. But you're not ruling it out, is what you're saying? No, I'm definitely. I haven't. I haven't made any decisions yet with, I suppose, with Dublin. Um, like I said, I'm just going to enjoy the off season. But I know I'll definitely have to sit down and have a chat with Mick at some stage and decide what I'm doing. Cheers, Lindsay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And that's all we have time for. You'll be happy to know that Colin Parkinson himself is back on Monday. Until then, all the best. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. 
For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.